Gavin Woods Podcast, proudly brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, this is Ostentatious, and you're listening to Gavin Woods' amazing podcast. And welcome to the podcast. This time I'm very excited. We've got the Merchant of Menace. Yes, best known for his Australian number one record selling, best selling single ever, Australiana, which went double platinum. And he is, of course, Ostentatious. Hello, Austin. Hello, Gavin. Great to be with you. And we, we do go back a long time, mate. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. I, I remember that song. It was on the, uh, it was number one for like th- 13 weeks back in 83. Yep. And the only one that beat you was uh, that bloody Fernando by ABBA. The, that went 17 weeks. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. You had the ascendancy there for 13 weeks. We'll get to Australiana in a little while, but I want to find out more about Ostentatious and the early years of you. So I, I basically went to university and then I went to film school and then uh, I, I, I struggled to find a path in life. And um, I just did many things and I never, I was never happy with them. And I, I, I really... Uh, Landed at that comedy store in in Sydney was 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 uh, the first time I tried stand up in 1981, mm, mm. and um, Rodney Roode was advertising for comedians to join him, and he he was the host of the the comedy room, which was right. called the Comedy Store, and was uh, was the first I think the first comedy room in uh, in Australia that was you know really for well, stand up. Yeah. I mean Melbourne had all those places like the Last Laugh, etc., and mm. Comedy Cafe, which mm. were all. Uh, which were all, you know, you know, with you know, cabaret sort of style and and more sort of, um, you know, more more sort of an ensemble thing. Whereas um, Sydney Sydney had the first stand up comedy room and um, Rodney Rudy, everybody remembers. <laughs> Rod and uh, yes, and Rod yes. was uh, Rod yes. was terrific, and I, I'm still in contact with him. He's almost eighty now, and but uh, we're we're still good friends. Gee. Good man. Well, I, I've got to go back to the Bible contest that you oh, won sure. when you were 15. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, for, for Jewish youth, you won that. And then you went to the finals in uh, in uh, Jerusalem. And then after that, uh, five years of uh, Vaucluse Boys High School. Yep. And then you went to went to uni. Now, I love this. In 72, you tried dentistry. Yeah. And then an arts degree. Yep. And then a film director's course. Yep. And you've done three short uh, comedies. Yep. Uh, wrote, wrote and directed Eric and Alice. Uh, in 75, Waves in 76, and the end in 77. I mean, all of that experience that you garnered through those years and then, and then you end, ended up in comedy. How did your parents take that? Well, you know, as you sort of alluded to there, I, I had a fairly orthodox Jewish upbringing and uh, so it was a fairly conservative household and um, hmm. my father was a Holocaust survivor and uh, he was... Uh, he was uh, quite damaged from that whole experience, yeah. and uh, so no, he did, he didn't he he he, uh, he didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, his his question was always, "But what do you want, son? You know, what do you want?" <laughs> screaming at me, and uh, <laughs> oh, no. I had I had no idea what I wanted to do until I found this job, and and it's been forty years. But uh, they they really were in a, a real quandary. They couldn't understand what was going on with me. I'd been, mm, I'd been mm. a fairly conservative fellow, and then suddenly I was smoking marijuana and you know listening to the Doors, and um, I, uh, I I just got right into rock and roll, and I got right into um, you know being a, a camera operator and a, a camera assistant and a cinematographer. I worked on all those clips for the Chisels and um, My mm, Sex mm. Angels, etc. Yep, yep. 
I I saw that. Uh, that was uh, not too many people know that, and I think that's fantastic when you when you look at your history of what you've done. You know, um, ABC assistant cameraman and then cinematographer, yep. and uh, and and as you say, doing clips for Chisel Mentals and and Angels. And uh, I wasn't the cameraman on those clips. I was really the the camera assistant. Well, there right. was an ensemble team led by Peter Cox who actually directed my documentary. Hmm. Um, he's a guy I've had a lot to do with over the years. A very smart guy, and um, so uh, we we made we made all these clips together, and um, that was cheap wine was the one that we started with, and then uh, oh, that's a great did, clip. Yeah, yeah, and we did No Secrets and um, wow. Taste the Day for the Angels, and hmm. and then I, I I shot one for the Mentors where I was the cameraman, which was called Egypt, but I don't I don't think it really did very well, but it was a, it's a great little song. Yeah, I'm a, I'm aware of the song. Of course you would be. <laughs> so, so ostentatious, tell me about the first time you walked into a comedy store under the auspices of Rodney Rood. Well, the first time I did a stand-up was, um, was in 19, probably the middle of 1981. Uh-huh. And um, I, had, I had relatively little experience being a performer, as we've just discussed. So mm. it was fairly daunting. And, you know, the, 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 that place was fairly avant-garde. So every night there'd be people like Brian Brown and uh, who went on to a big career and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mel Gibson and all those sort of guys from uh, from from the business. And uh, it was it was just it was a fairly daunting ten minutes or so that my first performance. But and you know a lot of comedians get up once and they think uh, oh we did really well I'm going to continue with this and then you realise that it takes another ten years to get any good at it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've really got to do the do the uh, outback tour and uh, and all of that, and and just go on the road and do every stage you can, really, and and build up all that. Uh, which all, which that, a lot of them experience. don't do these days. So, you know, they go from they go from doing one sh- one show mm. to a show on the ABC to like a, a series on the ABC, and then uh, they think they they know the whole game. But um, stand up is a fairly complex thing, and it takes it does take a lot of experience and tough in very tough rooms to get really good at it. So you can manage it no matter what hap- what, what they throw at you. In, in those days, you know, the crowds were out of control, you know, and uh, yeah. heckling yeah. seems to have died down a bit these days. People are much more respectful, mm. which is not great for me. But uh, <laughs> back then it was, it was a lot of fun just to, you know, to, to, to have a go at them, you know. I remember there was one soap star who announced to the world that he was going to be a comedian. And so, you know, I mean, you don't do that, number one, announced to the world because you get all the, all the press at your one gig. And he died. He just died after 30 seconds. He was gone. He'd forgotten all his stick, everything that he planned. He was just there on stage wanting to dig a hole in that stage and go away. And, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and here's a guy that, you know, was... Uh, well known, well respected, but then got up there and and just un- underestimated what you guys go through every night. That's right. Well, I like Barry Crocker, but you know the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't but, Barry. <laughs> but uh, look, um, no, I do, I do really. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Barry's, and uh, <laughs> he's gone through a few issues at the moment with that uh, underwear commercial. But he's well, a good I, man, I, Barry. But but Austin, how how dare they? use his name on a commercial without even having, you know, the decency to ask him if they could. 
No, because that's how people behave, you know. Well, it's wrong. I'm right in Barry's corner on that one, mate. Oh, so am I. So yeah, am he's I. A, he's a great guy, Barry. He's a really great guy. And uh, yeah, how mate, dare they? Yeah, how dare they? So, so um, in the early formative years of your getting your comedy act together and everything like that, to get five minutes, you know, usually takes a a, a long time of uh, trial and error. And then after you've after you've got the five minutes down, and you start repeating the stages, you go, "Oh, I need another five minutes. Uh, what am I going to do?" You, you've continually got to work on it. I remember I saw Rita Rudner at the Hilton down here, yeah. and and as we're walking in, she's sitting on the side of the stairs with her head down, and she's got a little notebook, and she's picking up what people are saying as they're going in. <laughs> And I thought, well, that's interesting. That you know, that that's good to pick up a few good lines. But you've yep. constantly got to work on it. It must get frustrating after a while, mate. Well, look, you know, you, you start out and you're uh, and you have no idea how difficult it is. And then, uh, you know, if you've got the talent and you've got the uh, you've got a you know a point of view, you need that you know that you know the Weltanschauung. You know, you need a you need a real world view. Mm. And uh, you need, obviously, you need to be tenacious. And, um, you know, Australiana came fairly quickly, you know, and uh, luckily I was, you know, I was working all the time with Billy Birmingham, who's, you know, probably no. the most gifted comedian or comic yeah. mind I've come across in the, in my life. Mm. Incredible, mm. In, in, you know, in, in the terms of the whole world. The guy, the guy's an absolute total genius. And, uh mm. mm. So he, you know, he and I, you know, we, we were working together and he, he started with me, he started, he would say things like exactly what does a didgeridoo and how far can a dingo and how much can a koala bear and, you know, and that developed into a great, great routine, which um, the only problem was that I had it only a year after I started, you know, it was all, mm. was all together a year after I started and Fabini, Martin Fabini from Regular Records came to see me right. and decided to, to record it, so through Warners and um wasn't he a lucky boy well he was a lucky boy and that that, that was a, that was remarkable though that within one year I had this thing and um it became so successful but then what do you do post that that's that's the big question highway corroboree well yeah no no well I made I made a lot of records but uh, but the thing is that Billy disappeared because Billy really wanted to have his own career and as he did an incredible career as the 12th, the 12th band. band yeah so i was there really on my own after australiana and um you know as you say developing developing a 60 minute to 90 minute to two hour show hmm. it takes a lot of work but but luckily you know i think that um you know you have to have natural ability and my, my thing was always being able to be funny on the on the on the spot so mm, mm. i just had to get comfortable on stage to be able to bring that onto the stage if you know what i mean tobin brothers funerals celebrating lives since 1934 visit tobinbrothers.com.au g'day this is ostentatious and you're listening to gavin wood's amazing podcast well the most wonderful thing i i, I saw skin in the game your new doco which is just brilliant congratulations oh, thanks. Well, thank you mate. thanks it's uh, it's just and it gives you an insight you know into the into the pressures that a comedian has and you know uh, you know all the all the uh, all the miles you've got to travel plus you know standing up in unfamiliar rooms you know with unfamiliar people and trying to read those people you know you've got to, it, it's a gift it's a gift austin it really is 
No, yeah, well, that's well, no, well, I, I look, I, I was, I was gifted with that one thing. That's my thing. Is um, it's not writing comedy or you know writing you know number one singles or anything like that. My my gift is really being a, a stand-up and being able to work on my feet. So yeah. I, I, I read a lot and I, I, I try to bring whatever I can that day, from that day, from that day's news or whatever is going on in the mm. world, mm. into my shows. So, and I, and I, I can do that. You know? I'm, re- I'm really good at, I'm really adept now at you know, bringing in the, the real world and bringing in everything and turning it into a jumble of ideas, really. Well, I would say you're the best stand-up comedian in the country. Because oh, that's you, good. Not in the you, world, not in the, in the world. Well, I haven't seen too many. <laughs> I've only seen a few at the comedy store in LA, uh, and 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 you and you beat them very oh, well, easily. You, you, you know, so you're in the world, okay. But uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best stand-up comedian in the in world. the world on the planet in the universe. Yeah, no, but to think on the on your feet and, and the way you uh, just dismiss hecklers. You don't dismiss hecklers. You you include them. You bring them into yourself. And, and and you want to find the inner workings of these hecklers. I th- I think that's fascinating what you do. Well, it, it's because it's because what what I try to do is use everything available at that moment. So the the yeah. audience becomes part of the theatre of the whole thing. So it, it's so interesting because you know people get upset. People think you know whatever I'm saying is you know it's it's in, in and you know right now with all this cancel culture and the the woke stuff yeah. and you know yeah. people get pissed off with what you're saying, but. It's a comedy show. It's it's all lighthearted, you know. Eventually, mm. it's not mm. it's not to be taken seriously. People people take life so seriously, you know. It's it's incredible. Now you were born in New York, and you and you came out here to Sydney at the age of tender age of one. Yep. Well, my my parents met in New York, and they got mm-hmm. married in New York, and they decided because my mother had been in Australia prior to living in New York, and her parents wanted her to come home. My father had no parents, but. Uh, Right. He uh, he decided to to um, to come here too, and um, he uh, he was a travelling salesman most of his life within the watch business. You want to buy a watch? Yeah, that's right. I mean, he would go to he would go to places like Bathurst in a three piece suit in a in a forty degree day and uh, try to convince them to buy watches. Oh, you got to love him for that. Oh no, I do know he was ter- he was terrific. He had a lot of car accidents too back then, you know, turning <laughs> the car over and you know. Oh, in, the, no. in the 1950s, in those old Holdens and whatever he had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not too, not too much giveaway when you're going around a corner too fast. Yeah, that's right. In the old, in the old FJ. The FJ, that's what he had an FJ, and we had, you know, there were several Holden. I think Holden was his favourite car, so he had... Well, it's well, it's your favourite car too. Isn't that a Caprice that you're driving Well, I, Well, I, I was. I'm not anymore. No, I love the Holden Statesman. I've, I've had a few of them. Statesman, I, that's I, right. I just, yeah. I just love... Yeah, it was a Statesman. Cause the last one was a Statesman Caprice, but I got rid of that. I don't drive much anymore, but I was driving, you know, like 50, 60, 70,000 kilometres a year all over the place. And um, mm, mm, I loved it. Mm. I loved the isolation. I loved, uh, I just, it was therapeutic being on the road. It was just fantastic. Mm. You know, uh, once I um, I drove from Sydney to Brewarrina in one day, which is about a thousand kilometres. Nice drive. And, and, the, and I got I got to Brewarrina about 5 p.m. Yeah. And I was going to work at the RSL club and there were about a thousand kangaroos on the road having a conference, and they all said, "What are you doing up here, Austin?" It was incredible, and um, so I stopped. I had a beer with them, and um, when I got to the gig, which took it took me about two more, two or three more hours just to get through the the kangaroo conference. 
When mm. I got there, I said to the the, the Brewarna RSL club manager, you know, why didn't you tell me about the kangaroos? And he said, oh, mate, if I told you about the kangaroos, you never would have come. <laughs> and however, I had a great time with the kangaroos. So there you go. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> mate, have you ever been run out of town? Many times, yeah. Probably four or five hundred. And, um, no, stop yeah, no, it. No, well, I have a lot of times, but uh, I've had to run away from many shows because they get mm. it, they get it wrong. They're all pissed and they think I'm saying something that I'm not. But uh, yeah. the, the the last one was in a place called Tumbarumba, and yes. nobody told me it was a town full of Scottish people. And mm. so I started my show. I said, uh, "Does anybody remember an entertainer called Cian Connolly?" And uh, some woman yells out. It's not Sean, it's Sean. And the whole crowd just went mental, berserk. And yeah. um, I was already speaking like Sean. And um, <laughs> and everybody saying, it's not Sean, it's Sean. And I could see the manager of the place holding up my cash and coming towards the microphone right at the beginning of my show, handed me the money and he said, you better run away out through the, you know, the kitchen right now. <laughs> And they started following me. It's not a sin, our son Connolly. And uh, they oh, went fucking mental. But um, oh, oh no, that's that's that's, that's one that's one situation. But I've, look, I've been beaten up, and I've been you know. But uh, but look, you know, it's out there in the sticks, mate. It's pretty wild, as you must know. Look, they're they're, they're staff for entertainment, and usually they're so appreciative to have someone, you know, come from Sydney and 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 do a show. You know, that, that just yeah, but not Austin, not ostentation. No, well. I... <laughs> That's that you 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 do challenge an audience. I must I must say. Well, that's the thing, and uh, you know, a lot of people are not prepared for that because they think, oh, he's just going to come up here, he'll do that Australiana thing, and yeah, it's fairly innocuous the whole show. But mm. uh, you know, it's a different thing. It's me pushing it as far as I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's an amazing life that you've had, considering the early days. You know, uh, uh, Orthodox Jew. And uh, and then all of a sudden you break out and you get into university and you go wild and discover marijuana. I think that's a great story in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, it's it's fairly typical of the generational thing. You know, your parents yeah. come here from, you know, a war torn Europe and they restart their life, and then, uh, you know, you you grow up in a country which is, you know, it's fairly prejudiced. It's a fairly prejudiced country, but you know, mm. it's also the beast. Look, it's definitely the greatest country on the planet. And um, oh, absolutely, yeah. The only the only thing we we lack, I think, is uh, is you know, c- culturally we 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 seem to be a little bit behind. You know, but um, mm. well, I think we always have been. It's just we've always lagged behind and looked looked for a greater greater force to uh, show us the way. Now, tell yeah, me about yeah. tell me about uh, your movie career in LA. You worked with Sharon Stone on Sliver? Well, you know, it was only a tiny little thing. I did I did I did a little, I, I'm a good friend of Philip Noyce. I've actually just been with him in LA. He's he's just finished a movie with Pierce Brosnan called Fast Charlie and um Oh, nice. I'm very close to Philip because he he was at the film school pr- a little bit prior to me and um, okay. but I've spent a lot of time with him over the years. I've, you know, you hang hang out with him socially a lot, and uh, he's a good mate, and he's a fan of mine. He comes to a lot of shows of mine, and uh, he's a he's a big big supporter. He took me to um, the a, a showing of Severance, which Ben Stiller just directed, and um, wow, you know he he mixes with uh, with the cognoscenti. I went to that uh, you know Australia G'day Australia thing where um, yeah 
Isle, Isle of Fisher was just on it. Anyway, so he he offered me a tiny little cameo in this film, and um, and so when I did that at Paramount, a lot of people just must have cottoned on and thought, oh, this guy's you know heading for a career, which uh, which eventually didn't happen. But I but I did get an agent over there, a good agent. I got a, a representative mm-hmm. for stand up comedy. Um, well, you're on your way. You're I was on, on your my way. way. Yeah, that was 1993. Yeah. But um, nothing really happened. I, I never felt comfortable doing stand-up in America. But I, I did a lot of it, but I never really felt comfortable. I, I worked a lot of the smaller rooms, like Improv on Melrose and places like uh, Ig, Iggy, Igby's in um, Santa Monica. Many, many shows. But um, I, I just... Uh, I, I, culturally, I feel so at home in Australia, so... Yeah, yeah, and 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 also, as you say, the audiences are different. That I went to the improv one night on Melrose, and uh, I I don't know whether it was tryout night or tryout a joke night, because because they walked on and they had a notebook and they were reading from the notebook, trying their jokes on the crowd. Well, a lot. Of, well, a lot of people, you know, take they, that's what they do. They try out stuff at those places, and they tour around America. Even the big the big guys, you know, and. Um... Yeah, but but I, I, I actually I've never I've never taken a notebook anywhere with with this. It's it's just I just work try to work in the moment, and that that's a rare yeah, thing in this course. game. So well. I, look, I, I want to talk about something that that uh, you were connected with. Tropfest '98. Yep. In in intolerance. Yep. Right. Uh, it was voted. It, it won best film, and uh, and you also uh, won best actor in it, and and it was directed by Laura Feinstein, right? And, and, yeah, well, I can tell you and, about that. But uh, I wrote the film, which is a five, a five, a seven-minute film, and I, I wrote it. And I went to Paul Fennick, who did all the Houseos things and um, yeah, all those, uh, all those, all those SBS programs, and um, like Fat Pizza, etc. And I, because I, because I could see, because oh, okay. I could see that he had an incredible talent, that guy, and um, mm, he's mm. a he's a very very capable fellow. So we we joined up and we, we made that film and we decided to enter it in the name of a fictitious feminist filmmaker called Laura Feinstein. <laughs> and um, we didn't think it would win, but uh, it did win. Whoops. And the head of Tropfest, that guy, yeah. John Polson, he he got yeah. very upset. Because <laughs> he just said, that's the first time in the history of Tropfest the, the main prize has been won by a woman! And then Paul Fennick yeah. jumped up, you know, and he, he's a pint-sized uh, Maltese Aboriginal who uh, who wanted the kudos, and of, of course, deservedly so. And um, so uh, we pissed off a well, lot I of think people. That's, I think that's marvellous. Um, that's that's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, tell me about uh, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. You were in that as well. Yeah, I did. I did a because because I won Trop Fest. I I, um, I got the attention of. Jane Campion and I did uh, I did a, quite a big part in her movie Holy Smoke, and then right. George Miller offered me something, but because I was working with Jane, I couldn't do because I was with Jane for three months working with Harvey Keitel and Kate Winslet on that picture, right. and then um, I couldn't I couldn't do that. But then Baz Luhrmann offered me The Green Fairy in um, Moulin Rouge. And he was coming to my house with his wife, and they were doing all that, you know, the wardrobe tests. And so they put me put this wardrobe test together, and then then I did, and then I I did I went to to shoot it, and uh, I shot it with Don McAlpine, the cameraman, Aussie yeah, cameraman who, who won the yeah. Academy Award, and um, yeah, and um, 
and then they decided to replace me with Kylie Minogue because she was more important. So and prettier and prettier, yeah. Well, just marginally, mm. and uh, and then uh, <laughs> she. Uh, so the, she she's in the movie, and I'm, I hit the cutting room floor. But um, it was it was a great experience working with Baz. I've worked with Baz on a few things, and uh, he's a talented guy. And uh, good luck to him now yeah. with the Elvis thing; is going crazy. Oh yeah, that's a, that's that's huge. It's just huge. Yeah. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business. Since 1934, Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, this is Ostentatious, and you're listening to Gavin Wood's amazing podcast. In 99, did you produce the doco uh, uh, for your dad, Isaac Gutman's uh, journey, 39 to 45? So, so what I did, no, what, what I, what, well, SBS came to me and uh, with Paul Fennick again. Paul Fennick was working with them, and okay. they came to me to put me in a, a series which was about comedians who originated from another country and then uh, had a career in Australia. So gotcha. uh, I was one, I was one of about six or seven. There was a George Capignaris and people like yeah. that. Right, and so right. my thing was uh, to look at my father's history through the Holocaust. So I took Paul Fennick to Poland and um, wow. we, went, we, went, we went to all the, all the places that were renowned during the Holocaust, for my my particular story, which was uh, Treblinka, sure. which was a terrible place that the yeah. Germans murdered nine hundred thousand Jewish people there, and um, oh, men, women, something and children. We should never, we should never forget that. That is so so wrong. Well, I will never forget it. And uh, no, I'm off to Germany on Friday to pour, poison the water supply in fifteen cities. So <laughs> just got a few guys coming with me, a few people. Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> coming here. It doesn't matter, yeah. and maybe. Yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone said he wants to come, and uh, Quentin Tarantino. Anyway, so it's you know it's a bit of a bit of a journey, but there you go. So, yeah, well, good luck getting that through customs. <laughs> but we uh, no, we made this we made this movie, and uh, and it, and it uh, it's a two parter. If people want to have a look at it, it's on the it's on YouTube actually, and uh, fantastic, it's pretty good. It's quite it's quite insightful, I think, and uh, fairly profound. You know. Now your your doco skin in the game uh, that's uh, bobbing up on the uh, Fox Docos channel uh, July seventeen um, so that's getting a uh, that's going to get a good run yeah so I decided that uh, you know I I would make this I, I tried to get money from several screen bodies around Australia but nobody was interested because I've joined the uh, the, the veteran club you know and um, yeah, haven't haven't we all dear yeah well you know Australians don't really give a shit about anyone who's uh, who's come from uh, that era, you know, or from another era. Mm. Whereas, you know, in America, which, which is terrific, you know, they honour everyone from, you know, from Milton Berle to, uh, to whoever, you know. And Betty, Betty White, they, they followed her to the last Well, well there you go. There you go. That breath, doesn't happen you know? in Australia. That's why Jackie Weaver had to go overseas to have a great career. And, uh, and she's done so well. Yeah, so, so I decided that I'd put a cap on my career, you know, the first 40 and... Uh, and uh, do it, do it. Just a retrospective of what of what happened and, and how I'd um, how I dealt with this job. And um, so I got a few mates together. I, I got uh, Peter Cox is the director, who's a, who's a, a you know smart, very smart guy, and um, you know several mates. And uh, we uh, a guy called Daniel Sharp, who uh, who, who was what, who's an associate producer, who made uh, Romper Stomper and. Um, many other movies and uh so we we did it ourselves we put it together ourselves and then uh we took it to fox and uh they they jumped at it and uh so they've got it for four years actually 
and uh, so it, it'll premiere on Fox on the 17th at 8:30 p.m. on that Fox Tacos channel, and then it'll be available to stream. For Mate, I just hope Fox they Fox. they take it to Fox America and around the world because it it has legs as an international documentary. I, I, I well, think... that's very that's very kind of you. We are having trouble selling it overseas. I've, I've, really? I've, I've I own it for the rest of the world, and I've tried a lot of places already, but. Um, it's it's uh, because I'm not uh, I'm not a known entity, but you know we're, we're going to persevere, mate. We'll keep working at it. Yeah, so. but 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 if you if you attack it from you know comedian, uh, the comedian's lot or you know or whatever, uh, you know you don't have to be famous over there. It's it's about a comedian, you know. Well, I uh, agree, I agree with you because the genre is very well known, as you know, mm. as you say, and and I I'm, I mean I'm a, I'm just another one another stand up comic, but um. Well, no. Well, you're not. I think my I think my story. You're not. Hey? <laughs> you're you're unique to the craft. You know. Well, t- well, true. Yeah, but uh, but that but, you know, but predominantly in Australia. So mm. I mean, I mean well, you're right though. I mean, it is something that people under it's a genre that they understand. But we've had a lot of knockbacks, so nothing's nothing's happened yet. But you know, hopefully that we'll have it, or it'll happen, or you know, people will like it on Foxtel, and Fox will get a. Fox will take it to, to Fox America. I don't know, whatever. Well, well don't don't give up on it, mate. Somebody said to me, you know, you just got to persevere with these, you know, things. So. You have, mate. Yeah, you just never give up. It's the old, it's the old cliche. Well, you know, the it? pandemic slowed everybody, everything down for everybody. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting at, you know, starting up again, starting to rev up a bit. I've got uh, five shows in WA coming up, and um, I got shows all over the place, but nothing, nothing like you know, to the extent of, you know, 2019. But uh, uh, it's look, it's it's happening, and uh, I I just love it, mate. I, I love doing stand up, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next fifty years of um, you know doing stand up around the country and around the world, and making another documentary in another forty or fifty years. God, so. God love you, mate. I I I wanted to see you in Question Time because you you ran for politics uh, <laughs> against Tony Abbott, and you were a member of the Australian Sex Party. Well, they actually approached me. The the, uh, the Sex Party approached me to run against. Tony Abbott in his electorate, which is Warringah, and um, that was for the 2010 federal election. And um, I never liked that guy, so uh, I took it upon myself, <laughs> and I, I got my own budgie smugglers and um, toured the area. This is before Zally Stegall and uh, before uh, you know the uh, the teal the teal the teal situation, <laughs> or Scott Morrison or whatever. And uh, Tony got pretty scared of me, to be honest. And uh, so, wow. for some reason, I don't know, I don't really understand this, but the day after I nominated, the uh, accountant from the an accountant or uh, from the ATO rang my people and said they wanted to do an audit. <laughs> oh no! And, uh, oh, that's that's filthy well, that's, politics. That's that's, that's that's a dirty business, and um, that's how he yeah, behaved. Anyway, yeah. he was worried about me. He thought I'd get <clears> somewhere. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I got twenty five hundred votes, and he got fifty thousand, and that, that's that's yeah. twelve years ago. So that's when that sort of guy was still predominant in politics, which is it's, mm. I guess it's different now. But um, well, tell me about uh, Barry O'Farrell. You, you, you're a member of the Outdoor Recreation Party. Yeah, well, then they approached me, and I, I had nothing to do with them. I had, look, I'm a bit of a lefty myself, but uh, I had nothing, and they're they're another right wing party, but. Uh, Although the sex party was pretty good, they, they had they had a, a fairly strong agenda, and uh, they were into the, that royal commission for child sexual abuse, and I thought that was a great thing, and uh, that happened, right. which is great, and um, they were they were one of the engineers of that. 
So, um, yeah, no, I, I ran against Barry O'Farrell. I, I got the same amount of votes, really. But um, right. I, it's something that I wasn't... And I didn't put enough energy into My friend Mandy Nolan, who's a comedian around the Northern River, she just ran for uh, the Greens up there, and uh, she, she got a, a big percentage of the vote but didn't get over the line either. But. So, ostentatious. Number one, for 13 weeks with Australiana, do you ever get sick of uh, doing it? I, I don't, no. I, I do it in every show, and um, I find a reason to do it, and if people don't want to hear it. Most most shows I go, obviously, I mean, if uh, like I saw Billy Joel on 60 Minutes saying that if he doesn't do the Piano Man thing, they could go nuts. And he, sure. he doesn't he, he yes. doesn't like it as much as he likes his other stuff, obviously. But uh, well, that's what yeah. he said anyway. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I like Australiana, but it's it's not really representative of, of of ostentatious. I mean, ostentatious is much more of a provocateur and um, you know a shit stirrer than people would know from that record. But uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to that record, and um, it really it really kicked off my career, and it's been a Terrific! I've had a great time, and just looking forward to the next seventy yeah. years. Because I'll be forty. I'll be forty-one on, you, on Friday, and um, yeah, yeah, of course you will. And your nose is your nose is yeah, getting that's bigger. Right. Now, now you're six foot no, six, no, six foot, totally six foot four, intimidating. Yeah, six foot four. Yeah, that, that's four? A oh, okay. In Wikipedia, but I haven't I haven't changed it because it scares people, so I'll leave it there. It's, <laughs> no, it sounds well. It scared me. <laughs> Six foot four, totally intimidating with your big deep voice. I'd surprised anyone would heckle you. Well, they do. They, you know, I go into a show and people go, "Oh, you're my hero, mate. You're you're a, you're a legend." And then ten minutes later, they're standing there with the gla- you know glazed eyes, yeah. wanting to kill yeah. me. So, yeah. or you know, threaten me in the car park or whatever it is. So. After that extra Chardonnay, that's when you go to the toilet. And you keep walking to your car. Well, unfortunately, I'm locked into you know doing a ninety-minute or two-hour show. You know, I've, I've got a contract, yes. so I can't leave the stage. And you know, many times <laughs> I've been attacked on the stage, and the management of the place never helped me. They just let me, you know, let me get bashed almost to death a couple of times. So, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's uh, because they're they're more worried about their customers than the comedian. So. Mm, but mm. it's all part of the, I'm well, part of the job, and you know, look, I, I take it on because I I do push them as much as I can, and uh, I don't expect them yeah. to get violent. But you know, it's a fairly violent world out there in in Australia, out in the, you know, in these outback places. You know, it's combined with alcohol. You know, people um, people mm. just you know you know all this domestic violence that's happening in these places. It's just out of control. Well, there's nothing more entertaining and more confronting than to uh, sit in an audience with Ostentatious. Mate, I, I, I love you. I love your work. I love what you've done. I love what you've continued to, you, you're still continuing to do things. And, and, and God love you. I hope you have another 50 years of, of 100 shows a year. Oh, well, thanks very much, mate. And uh, always great to talk to you, Gavin. And uh, I wish you the best with your podcast, mate. Thank you, mate. And don't forget, Skin in the Game. It's about your journey. Uh, Fox Docos. And uh, you will love it because I've I've seen it and I adored it and I, I I got closer to you, mate. So so. Oh, you're a good man. You're a good man, mate. Thank you. So well done, ostentatious. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Thank oh, you for doing this. And I thank you. Thank you. See you, mate. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. Gavin Woods' podcast was thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives.